And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello everyone, welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Wednesday, October 28th is the date. Week 8 is the NFL week that we are in here. Cardinals, Jaguars, Texans, and Washington football team going on a bye in week 8. Who's not going on a bye? Me, Michael Beller, Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley. We're not taking any weeks off. It's the NFL season. We're never taking any weeks off. I don't know if that's going to be true for everyone on our staff, but it's going to be true for the three of us. Guys, how you doing here today? <laughs> Uh, is this is this technically the halfway point? I don't know. Do we consider week seven the halfway point because of playoffs, or week eight the halfway point because that's the end of the season? Like I don't know. It, we're think, we're kind of there. <laughs> yeah, I think I think in the fantasy football, at least I can speak for myself. I consider week seven the halfway point of the fantasy football season in case you because don't make week the playoffs? thirteen. Yeah, maybe you need to be a better player. Maybe that's your right? problem. Well, well, <laughs> I, Jake, am an egalitarian who speaks to the entire community, not just the elite of the community, like myself, who make the playoffs year in and year out. Right, right. This matters for everyone. So I, th- I consider last week the halfway point. Either way, we're into the second half of the season here, right? We can agree on that? Well, I, you know, I'm, my number one, you know, primo league is a week 17 league. So I'm technically, oh, yeah, I remember that. I'm not halfway oh, there yet. Yeah, that's right. Cause you're, you're dumb. <laughs> I always <laughs> say when there's meat on the bone, we eat. So that's the way it goes. <laughs> we'll, we'll be sure to have that week 16, week 17 argument uh, a few weeks from now, maybe a month or so from now when the fantasy playoffs are starting or getting ready to start something like that. We'll have that week 17 discussion, but for today we are focused on week eight and our rankings for week eight, our start sit decisions for week eight. As I said, Cardinals, Jaguars, Texans, and footballs on a bye this week. Uh, you can just run through those rosters. A lot of guys who you are starting without question, and three of them, at least two of them, and often three of them, are right here at this quarterback position. No Kyler Murray, no Deshaun Watson, no Gardner Minshew. So there are going to be people starting backup, streaming the position, certainly. I want to start with an overview of this position here. I'm going to use Jake's rankings as uh, the basis for my overview. So right now, Jake, in your rankings, you have Justin Herbert, 7th, Ryan Tannehill, 8th, Joe Burrow, 10th, Teddy Bridgewater, 11th. That is for Week 8, Week 8 alone. You have Cam Newton, 18th, Ben Roethlisberger, 20th, Drew Brees, 21st. Is this a changing of the guard at the position? Is it a result of matchups, a little combination of both? I mean, how are you looking at this quarterback position as a whole? Uh, it's a combination of both. Uh, Cam Newton's playing like trash. Uh, Brandon's been on the campaign for the entire season. If he's not running, he's not, you know, he doesn't matter. And on the waiver column, I mentioned the fact that he's on pace for something that no quarterback in the history of football has ever done, and that's throw for fewer than 3,000 yards have 700 rushing touchdowns and just 10 rushing touchdowns or yeah, rushing (laughs) yards and 10 rushing touchdowns. Uh, No, the only people that have had the 705 rushing touchdowns is some dude I never heard of from 1982 and Michael Vick. 
So that's Cam Newton. And then Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger are what we always talk about week in and week out of the quarterback position. It's all on their arms. And you got at Baltimore and at Chicago for both of them. And you have Herbert, who I, I don't – until he falls apart, he's top 10 going forward. Burrow, probably fringe quarterback, one until further notice. He's attempting like with 40 passes a game. And then Teddy's, Teddy's mainly because of the matchup. Teddy's more of a 15 usually. And if you swap the matchups for, let's say, Teddy was in Chicago and Drew Brees was playing Atlanta at home, you'd probably just swip, swatch – Swap their spots. Swatch. <laughs> Jake, Swatch watch their splash. You're killing me, Jake. You, you leave me hanging on the 1982 quarterback. I was a, a ravenous 12-year-old NFL, NFL card-collecting fan back then. I want to know who you that's <laughs> Did you 19- look it up? No. I want you to tell oh, me. Oh, it's... <laughs> I thought didn't you do the didn't you review my waiver column? Yeah, but I I'm not Rain Man. Did I just don't attention. I, <laughs> oh, that's why because I I was off. It was seventy two. That's why it was oh, Bobby Douglas. Bobby Douglas from the Bears. Okay, oh, yeah, seventy two. Yeah, Bear yeah. Down. Those are the only two in the history of football to have three thousand seven hundred and five. So nobody's ever even had three thousand seven hundred and ten. Yeah, Bobby Douglas was kind of the original gangster when it came to running quarterbacks. He was always the name before, and then like Randall Cunningham. Tell us more, Grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) Feel I'm feeling like Vince Scully here, you know. (laughs) I feel like the Bears could you know pull him out of retirement right now, whatever age he is, and they would probably get at least somewhat similar quarterback play. uh, You'll appreciate that. I actually so I'm one spot over industry consensus right now, Mike, and somebody was like. Nick Foles only twenty three. Have you seen the Saints defense? Like, wait, really? Somebody you're you're arguing for Nick Foles? <laughs> Have you seen Nick Foles play this season? I that was my little... exact response. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you could uh, go too low. There's no such thing as too low on Nick Foles. Uh, let's move to someone who you're definitely starting. There's really no such thing I think as too high on Josh Allen. But uh, you know, a couple of down games uh, in a row now by his 2020 standards, still giving you fine production. In those two games, threw for more than 300 yards and ran for 60 last week. So it's not like he totally left you hanging, but compare him to what he did the first five weeks of the season. And maybe you're a little disappointed after what he's done uh, the last two weeks going up against New England defense that we know can be tough on quarterbacks, really tough on opposing offenses up and down. Uh, I'm going to throw this one to you again first, Jake, just because I I have an inkling. You get this right every so often. uh, But should I start this obvious QB1 in this tough (laughs) matchup? Are you getting that on Josh Allen this week? Uh, getting some, actually not as much as I expected. I thought a lot of people were going to be like, I can't believe you even have him in top five. Uh, the Patriots defense is not what it was. Uh, Stephon Gilmore has been not Stephon Gilmore. He's still been good, but he's not been Stephon Gilmore good. Of where like The way that Jalen Ramsey and Jair Alexander are playing this year, he hasn't been to that level. He's also missed a little bit of time. That might be part of it. But overall, that defense is as concerning. Everybody hates on Josh Allen, but I think we talked about it on the waiver show. Still threw for 300 yards last week. Would have had more if that Gabriel Davis touchdown didn't get called back both yards and a touchdown. So, you know what? Look, just two weeks ago before this two-week, quote-unquote, downturn for Josh Allen, people were like, oh, he's a top-three quarterback. He's in the conversation with Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes because we had kicked out Lamar Jackson for his deficiencies in the passing game. So I think that he's fine in this range. I I like him better than Lamar Jackson against Pittsburgh, who Lamar Jackson's been hit or miss against Pittsburgh. And... You know, if you're going to tell me him versus Justin Herbert, I don't have a problem with that. But both these guys I have ahead of Tannehill and Tom Brady, who people, those are the only two that people seem to like more is Tannehill and Tom Brady, which I get it. But I just don't feel like Tom needs to do it against the Giants. I feel like they're going to use a lot of Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette and just be up in the first half. 
Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, what's he? He hasn't been outside the top 20 even in his bad games. I think I just looked at his last three weeks and it was like QB 14, QB 17, and QB 19. It's kind of, you know, his floor. And you can live with that. I haven't ranked eighth this week, so I don't have him being a world beater. Um, but for a guy who's thrown two touchdowns in all but one game, who has 288 yards passing or more in all but two games, and who's averaging 50 rushing yards the last two games, I just don't know how you can bench the guy. I mean, there's too many ways that he can potentially beat you with the big play, with the run. Um, yeah, so I just uh, I, I think he's he's established sort of a very comfortable floor, even in his bad games. And for that reason, yeah, I think you just have to play him. All right, guys, let's move it over to Tua time. We were, we've were we been able to talk about this for two weeks now, but we haven't actually seen it in practice. We are going to see it this week. Tua Tagovailoa making the first start of his career against the Los Angeles Rams. As I said, Kyler Murray, Gardner Minshew, Deshaun Watson all on by, so definitely could have some people starting to. Uh, Brandon, we'll go to you first on this one. I've got a little uh, Nando DeFino style fill in the blank. If Tua does blank, I will feel good about him. Uh, this is a tough one. His debut, it's the Rams, it's Aaron Donald. I actually I'm I wanna believe. I'm I'm kind of aggressive in the rankings. I don't know where you're at with him, Jake, but I have him I think nineteenth or eighteenth. Um I'm sure you're in the twenties on him. Uh but, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was basically a top 12 quarterback, and they're making the move to him because I think they feel that they have every goodest chance with Tua, if not better. There's more upside. So I think what I really want to see is him just look competent i want to see him take some hits i want to see him be able to scramble and maybe run a little bit man if he had 20 rushing yards in this i'd feel very good about it if he had you know 200 to 250 passing yards and a couple touchdowns i would feel very good about things i just don't want him to look uh like a rookie because what we've seen so far is joe burrow and and justin herbert have been fantastic and this was a guy that was drafted right in that mix and i want to see something Along their level of what we've seen from them. You know, we haven't seen just a completely lost, awful game. I'm Joe Burrow, you could argue maybe one or two times. He's he's looked like a deer in headlights a couple times, but not really. Um, so I just kind of want Tua to look as legit as those guys. My concern is just the matchup. Uh, even now, like I remember when I did the rankings last night and you said down in the 20s, and I went, no, I'm not that low. And then I checked and I am because <laughs> it's it's the, it's the Rams, honestly. And if you got Ramsey being able to take away Parker from a rookie quarterback and then you Preston Williams, who's been essentially the number three, Isaiah Ford and Jakeem Grant mixing as the twos when Preston Williams has been the three. We hope Mike Kosicki can be better with Tua just because Tua will like him more and not that Tua can outplay Fitzpatrick from how he was passing. And we like Tua for the rushing, but you put all that together. Like if it was, I'd say, 25 other teams, I would have had him inside the top 20. But just against the Rams, uh, I think that you have to be a little bit cautious in that first game. I wouldn't want to start him if you don't have to. So similar to your film blank, if he comes out and has, let's say, 240, a touchdown, and 20 yards rushing, I'll probably have him near the top 15 next week because that's against the Rams too. Yeah, I'm, d- I'm right, down I like with that. that. I, I, I want one extra touchdown, but other than, otherwise you're kind of in my in my realm of what I'm looking for as well. Yeah, you got to grade him a little bit on a curve with this tough matchup. I mean, we all saw what he did, what this defense did to Nick Foles last week, and Nick Foles, we all know, should be higher in your rankings, Jake. <laughs> he's, he's we amazing. already talked about that. <laughs> you know what? Just for the hell of it, I'm going to go swap to and Foles. I have Foles one spot in front of him. <laughs> I'm going to move him down in one more Let me spot. tell you something. If, if I was actually deciding between those two guys, I am absolutely starting 
to a tongue of Iloa and like uh, there there would be nothing better than like a rage bench of Nick Foles after the way he played <laughs> against the Rams last week. Uh, let's talk about uh, Carson Wentz here, you guys going up against Dallas again. If you got Carson Wentz, you're starting him. That's not really the point of this question here, Jake. You have, actually have him ranked fourth right now at the quarterback position. You also have him listed as a buy in your rankings column, someone who you would be going after. So got different questions for you guys on this one. Jake, going to go to you first. Explain why you are buying uh, Carson Wentz if he's available for a trade and what you would give up to get a quarterback like him, given the way we treat this position in traditional one QB leagues. Well, the good thing is there's a lot of people that have him available in their leagues because people gave up on him and still haven't come back around. Uh, so somebody who is top five over the last three games facing Baltimore and Pittsburgh in that stretch, by the way, he's running. And if you look at the schedule going forward, the one bad thing is speaking of buy, he has a buy next week. But Dallas this week, as we know, Giants, Cleveland, Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans, Arizona, Dallas for the season. Where's the scary matchup in there? Maybe Green Bay with J.R. Alexander. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, outside of that, Patrick Peterson, maybe. He's been playing well. But, I mean, like, where are you really worried about Wentz the rest of the season with the way that he's playing right now? Is going to get Rager back? Is going to get Goddard back? So, if you told me right now with the way that Teddy's playing, if I can give up Teddy and get Wentz, I would give up, obviously, Jared Goff, no question about it. I'm trying to like think of Tom Brady. I probably I wouldn't even move. The, I would, that's kind of like the range that he should be in, in my opinion. Like Tannehill, Herbert. That's where Wentz deserves to be. So Joe Burrow, I would give up in a heartbeat for Wentz the rest of the way. I'd give up Matt Ryan the rest of the way. So yeah, I think that if you look at it, Wentz is going to be inside my top ten. All right, Brandon, take that. You're the you're the person getting this uh, trade offer from Jake. Would you would you make that brand of trade and give up? Uh, uh, give up Wentz to get someone like Joe Burrow or Matt Ryan, something along those lines. I don't think I would because I think what you know if I if I had Carson Wentz, I'm looking at these last three weeks that Jake's, Jake's mentioned and being like, dang, I mean this guy is is balling out, and really it's just amazing what he has done with Miles Sanders missing games and Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard and the receivers. Like he's had nothing, and he's basically turned himself into Josh Allen, where he's just doing it all, and he's he's got five rushing touchdowns and he's running, uh, you know, more than ever, and he's. He's basically doing whatever he can, and um, when all those when when this team actually gets healthy, if it does in the second half of the season, it could be very formidable, especially given the schedule that Jake's talking about there. And, I, and if I'm if I'm a Wentz owner, I'm, that schedule is not going to be lost on me. So I'm not just going to give it away without blindly looking at the schedule. You know what, guys? The uh, the Eagles had a win over under. I want to say around like eight and a half, maybe it was even nine, I don't know, it was somewhere right in there, right? And then their odds to miss the playoffs were plus 144, and it was a little better than if you just bet their win over under, and I was like, all right, this is basically the same bet, so why don't I just take the better odds, go for the don't make the playoffs, that's what I did, and now I'm sitting here thinking, they're going to go like seven, eight, and one, (laughs) they're going to win this garbage division, and the the win over under would have easily, you're basically making the same bet, except in this stupid NFC East, and now I'm really just... I'm upset. I'm, I'm I'm the biggest Washington football team fan there is outside of D.C. Uh, or the you know general Maryland, uh, northern Burbs of Virginia area. But it, it's ridiculous. But I agree. I hear you on Carson Wentz. We are same page in it there. Uh, I've got this guy in here for time permits. I think we've got enough time to get to Baker Mayfield really quick. Uh, lit up the Bengals after an 0 for 5 with an interception start to that game. Ended the game 22 for 28, 
297 yards, five touchdowns, did that all without Odell Beckham, considering Odell Beckham suffered what turned out to be the torn ACL on that first play of the game where Baker threw the interception. Jake, you do have him down low. Quarterback 17, I believe, was the ranking this week against the Las Vegas Raiders. So when you look back at what he did last week, is this uh, is it uh, yeah, that was awesome, but that was the Bengals. This is a little bit of a step up in weight class, maybe just a little bit. Or do we think there's something he can take forward here, even without Odell for the rest of the season? Uh, no, I don't think he can. I, like the, I had Bryant McFadden on the podcast yesterday, and he's, if for people that don't remember, he's a defensive back, played with the Steelers, uh, knows the NFL, and he made the case. Won some Super Bowls. Yes, two Super Bowls. Actually, and I talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, I said, does he ever poke fun in Antonio Brown? Because he was part of that deal that sent him from Arizona to Pittsburgh, back to Pittsburgh. And I was like, hey, he Antonio Brown was the throw-in, man. <laughs> Just giving him Because <laughs> it was a sixth-round pick. People, yeah. was, he kind of was. Antonio Brown was kind of the throw-in in that deal to get Bryant McFadden back to Pittsburgh. But in any case... You know, asked him about this because he was on CBS and said that he said, you know, if you look at it, Baker Mayfield's best season was his rookie season before Elwood Beckham got there. And if you look at where he played in that game, Baker Mayfield played his best game to date. Can you make the argument he's better with Odell Beckham? He goes, I'm not saying that's the truth. I'm just saying it's something that we can watch. And if it does continue forward, there's a case to be made because when you have a talent like Odell Beckham and you have a quarterback, which this this part is me arguing it, if you have a quarterback that isn't talented enough like a Drew Brees or Tom Brady to look everywhere and he gets kind of cognizant of the fact that I need to look at Odell Beckham, I need to look at Odell Beckham, I need to look at Odell Beckham, and then he starts forcing the ball or missing reads that he could have looked to first, that's what we're seeing. He was just kind of like a weight off his back when Odell Beckham came out of the game. So I don't think you can take an elite talent away from a quarterback and make him better. But if he's that type of quarterback, that's on him and it might make him better. So I still think he deserves to be in this range because now you're asking a banged up Jarvis Landry or Rashad Higgins whether or not Cardero Hodge comes back and Donald, Donovan Peoples-Jones to be your receivers. So I think he would have to be in this range. And I'm not ready to buy in after one game of Noah Little Beckham. Yeah, for me, it's not. I, I just dismiss that. You know, Jarvis Landry was a more targeted receiver last year. If that was an issue, you know, you would. I think you would have seen like a discrepancy where Odell was targeted more heavily. I just think what it comes down to with Baker Mayfield is he's not a very good quarterback when he has pressure. And Cincinnati is one of the lowest, you know, pressure rate teams in the league. And I just looked up ESPN's pass rush pass rush win rate and the Vegas Raiders are actually worse than the Bengals by one spot so I ranked Mayfield as having a shot to you know be decent like he was last week but I have him 17th also which kind of tells me that that's kind of the upper limit of where I'm going to typically rank Baker Mayfield I just don't ever see myself ranking him much higher than that would you say you took it to the limit I took it to the limit one more time limit <laughs> um, all right, guys. Let's uh, let's. I'm going to challenge you to get through this in a minute. The regular quarterback you're sitting, and the off the radar guy you are starting. So, Jake, why don't you take the sit first? Uh, wow, Stafford, maybe Stafford against the Colts defense, and the Colts defense has been pretty sta- stifling this year, especially against tight ends. They they're their best against tight ends, so maybe Hawkinson's not even involved. And Marvin Jones's best game was 80 yards, so that would be the one. And then the one that I'm starting. Look, I've been. I reticent to like buy into him, but like Derek Carr at this point, I, I don't take I my don't guy. How, look, I mean, <laughs> he's getting Cleveland in that game. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to tell you. Like Derek Carr just sticks out. You can choose the same guy. Yeah, I will. I mean, he's just been a regular 
260 to 280 every once in a while 300 but two touchdown passes and and decent yardage week in and week out tough matchups uh you know soft matchups i wouldn't expect anything different against cleveland in fact uh you know maybe he goes even a little higher than that but uh with the on stafford i have him ranked 14th this week so he's out of my qb1 range i'd say ben roethlisberger people are I mean, he's 16th on my rankings. I think you said he's a little bit lower on yours, Jake. So he's probably another one I'd throw out there as a regular. What about yeah, Garoppolo? Can... Guess your Seahawks. Uh, he's 15th. <laughs> <laughs> way higher than Jake's got him. Yeah, it is way higher. Yeah, well, we get that, uh... it's the Seahawks. Sorry, I, I'm I'm in the eye of the storm <laughs> here, and I'm very aware of it. I wish we could get that uh, Steelers Ravens game in prime time. Unfortunately. That is not going to be the case, but that's going to do it for us at the quarterback position. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, guys, running back is the position that comes up next. We're going to take a look at a few backfield groupings because we have a few questions at this position. I want to start on both sides of the Seattle-San Francisco game. Let's start with the uh, let's start with the Seattle guys here. We've got Chris Carson out, Rashad Penny obviously still out. Suddenly, Carlos Hyde popped up on Tuesday that he also has a hamstring injury, so he's looking questionable. Travis Homer has a bruised knee, he's looking questionable. DJ Dallas could be the only healthy guy on the roster. I'm sure they'll elevate someone from the practice squad if that ends up being the case, or maybe even making a signing sometime after we record this podcast. Uh, so let's take a look at this uh, with DJ Dallas as the lead back first. Gonna go to you on this one, Brandon. If DJ Dallas is the lead back. How do you feel about him in this game against San Francisco? Well, I got to think about how I feel about Russell Wilson if he's the guy that's going to be protecting him because, good <laughs> Lord, that was a, that was a, that was pretty ugly uh, last game. But I, I think yeah, I feel okay about it. I actually picked him up in a couple leagues. Um, and, you know, you can say the San Francisco defense, they're absolutely shut down on running backs, and it's true. But I think the Seattle offense with Russell Wilson – 
you kind of throw that out the window a little bit just because of the way Russell can, you know, throw on anybody, make big plays. And I think it, it you know, opens up opportunities in the defense that aren't always there for, you know, um, your more normal quarterback. So DJ Dallas, the one thing I saw with him is you know, we know that he's, you know, back at Miami, he was a wide receiver for a little while. And you can see the natural kind of receiving skills when in the little times that they've thrown to him. So I would give him, you know, pretty decent upside to, to grab four or five balls if he's the main guy in in the passing game. And, you know, I wouldn't expect him to have huge rushing upside totals, but, you know, as a compiler of total yards, I think he could do okay. Maybe he sneaks into the end zone. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not going to rank him as an RB2 if he's the guy, but I'd probably rank him as a, you know, as a as some maybe somewhere in the 25 to 30 range if, if no Carlos Hyde this week. It depends on also is there Travis Homer. There's still questions of whether or not, He's playing. Right. Uh, if Travis Homer's out there, I would rank Homer. Actually, I do. That's I have Homer over DJ Dallas. If there is no Homer, I, I think DJ Dallas has to be in your top 24 at that point, Brandon, because there's nobody. Right. Seattle can't even get anybody in time for this game. So it would have to be somebody off the practice squad, which I haven't last checked who's even on their practice squad. But I, I think that DJ Dallas would have to at least be, what, around the DeAndre Swift, Jarek McKinnon conversation kind of range? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Once I said that, if, there, if there's no Travis Homer, there's nobody else, and you're right, they can't clear somebody because of COVID, and he's the guy, then there's just too much volume there potentially to have him outside the back end of the RP2 range. And we'll know that by the end of the day today, right? That was, Devontae Freeman signed on a Wednesday, didn't he, after, uh, after Saquon Barkley got hurt for the season? I guess yeah, that's that five days. The next week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Of course, of course. So, yeah, we are looking at a DJ Dallas plus practice squad situation if Travis Homer is unable to go in this one. So, yes, yeah, I, can, DJ I Dallas honestly can't think of who the practice squad guy is. I'm, I'm racking my brain. I might have to look that one up. You've, we, yeah, we've got. Um, let's see. I'm trying, well, I'm trying Actually, to find I'm looking at their. I'm looking at their practice squad, and there's no running back on here. <laughs> I wonder if there's a receiver. There's, yeah. I wonder I'm if there's look- a receiver who once upon a time played running back. That- I'm looking at the Freddie <laughs> yeah, Swain. There is not, no, not a there's no pl- running, played back. running back. But <laughs> According you could to Fred- lads. you could do Freddie Swain out of the backfield like Debo Samuel. You know what that means? That's just more cooking for Russ. Oh god! Yeah, as long as <laughs> as long as DJ can protect him, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. Well, let's flip to the other side of this game and look at San Francisco here, where he mostered out Jeff Wilson out. We do know that Tevin Coleman can return. Jamichael Hasty, Jarek McKinnon are going to be in there. We talked about this a little bit on Monday. We know everyone out there who listens to us loves us, but we also don't expect you to listen to every single word we say. So let's revisit that discussion here, guys. Both of you take the same question. Jake, you take it first. Let's just say we live in a world where all three of these guys are active on Sunday. How are you ranking them? And I guess that also applies right so if let's say you rank Tevin Coleman one but he's out then you just bump the next guy up to number one so how do you rank these three guys for this week in a world where all three are active uh so real quick by the way Penny Hart Georgia Southern on the Seahawks might be running back. oh legit ooh. legit like could be a running back anyway so uh with San Francisco I will say I, this is how I have him ranked as of today if Coleman is out there McKinnon Coleman hasty if Coleman is not out there McKinnon hasty I just what I'm going to and look we just got burned I'm not saying I trust Shanahan (laughs) as far as like throw him or whatever cliche you want to throw out everybody out there got burned by like the fact that oh look he's getting a rest week what a surprise Uh, but you know the, the truth is is that was an opportunity for hasty 
and it was Jeff Wilson like 90% of the game until he got hurt. That tells me that Hasty had his chance. Jeff Wilson, the first game back, it wasn't Hasty. So I'm still going to go McKinnon over Hasty, and I'm going to go Tevin Coleman slightly over Hasty if the reports are that he's ready to roll because if he's ready to roll and they're throwing him back out there with how many injuries they have, I think they would be more cautious at this point. Uh, so I, I think that Hasty's just going to be last period. Uh, yeah, I'm not quite in line with that. I've just lost my trust in Jarek McKinnon to, or that Kyle Shanahan wants Jarek McKinnon to be their lead back. I just don't believe that he does. If it's, if they're all three are active, I will rank Tevin Coleman one, uh, McKinnon two and hasty three. If Coleman's out, I'm going to rank hasty one McKinnon two. I think he's in a complimentary role and, um, you know, it's, it's not just that he had the 12 snaps, Last week, is that he had 23 and 16 the two weeks before that when I was really banking on him really kind of emerging after, you know, big week three, week four opportunities and just has kind of gone away since then. So I think Kyle Shanahan feels better about McKinnon being his, his, you know, uh, you know, change of pace, passing down, complimentary back, but not the lead back. Even though those were games with Raheem Mostert, like, isn't there an argument that Raheem Mostert is the guy no matter what? Oh, and now with Mostert. With Mostert out, yeah, that but that, there isn't necessarily a uh, an obvious path to follow. Yeah, but the, you know, Mostert wasn't really like he's always been a platoon back. With and, and then when he came back from injury, it's kind of like they just did something that was very unShanahan like and just saying, "Okay, Rohim Mostert's our guy," and and that was a little bit of a curveball uh, as well. So. And that was when I thought McKinnon, because of what he had done when Mostert was out, was going to kind of be playing even with Mostert, and it didn't happen. Um, okay, guys, let's move on to our next topic here. It's one of Jake's favorites. We go from Let Russ Cook to Revenge Game, Le'Veon Bell. This is amazing how this set up, right? He gets to play the Jets right away. His second game in a Chiefs uniform just happens to be against the Jets. We've got a revenge game in store this week. Kansas City Chiefs, New York Jets, Le'Veon Bell suited up. This is another topic we talked about on Monday, but I want to revisit here in the context of would you start, would you sit. Six carries, 39 yards in his team debut for Le'Veon Bell. Played 17 snaps, ran 10 routes. Clyde Edwards-Alaire in that game, 27 snaps, ran 11 routes. Do we take anything from that? I mean, it was a game that the Chiefs were in control of, had a few uh, bizarre scores, the punt return, the um, the, the, the pick six. So uh, some ways that kept the ball out of Patrick Mahomes and the offense's hands. But do we think that Le'Veon Bell's role continues to grow, and do we think he's startable in this game against the Jets? Uh, uh, Jake, why don't you take this one? I don't think it grows. I think that what we saw was they want to get him involved immediately, and the truth about Spelling and Edwards Alaire is real. And I would say, whereas we were hoping to be 70, 75% Edwards Alaire and 20, 25%, maybe 30% if they're both on the field for Bell, uh, I think that we're looking at more 60, 40 now. And what it comes down to for this situation, Edwards Alaire is ranking a little bit lower than he would in better matchups because this is a game where if you assume the truth of what should be, uh, what is the line on this? 37 points? Uh, I'm being tongue in cheek, obviously, but this should be a a walk away win. And in that case, this feels like it could be a 60-40 split levy on Bell. So just to keep Edwards Alaire healthy, if they get near the goal line, like there's no reason to give Edwards Alaire 15 touches in this game if it's what we expect obviously if the Jets surprises like they did last week against the Bills you know maybe he gets some more run but I, I wouldn't be shocked and of course yeah if, if he gets 60 percent of it and Le'Veon Bell has 70 yards and a touchdown it's going to be told you revenge game 100 percent no question <laughs> 
Yeah, I you know, I think first of all, let me just say that this is the uh undercard revenge game to Melvin Gordon going against the Chargers, but uh That's true. <laughs> but I, here's the deal. I think if if there's a chance for Le'Veon Bell uh, to get a touchdown. I think Andy Reid's going to let him have it, you know, and, and that's mm-hmm. going to make Le'Veon Bell very happy to score one against his his old team. I just feel like there will be opportunities uh, if the game score goes the way we expect it to that Andy Reid, you know, maybe uh, does something to make Le'Veon Bell feel really good about facing his old team. So, um, But I agree mostly with what Jake said. I think this is probably closer to 60-40. Um, that you know, with the way that they kind of got Le'Veon Bell going right away, and he looked good. Um, you know, six carries, thirty-nine yards. I know it was only six carries, but it was only the second time in the last thirty-two games he's had over five yards of carry in any game at all. So um, it's at least a good first sign. But uh, yeah, I think uh, just to reiterate what Jake said, it's probably a little bit closer to a, a more evenly split than we thought. Other side of this game has got a pretty interesting running back situation, too, after what we saw out of LaMichael P. Ryan a week ago. 11 carries, 39 yards, and a touchdown. Led the team at the running back position in snaps and routes and did so comfortably. 40 snaps for him, 16 for Frank Gore, 15 routes for P. Ryan, 3 for Frank Gore. Frank Gore did get 11 carries on his 16 snaps, but still, you love the fact that P. Ryan was out there as much as he was. Shows you maybe a softening from Adam Gase and Dawa Loggins and that they're actually interested in seeing what LaMichael P. Ryan might be next year, even if they're not there next year. Uh, do we trust him as the lead back, at least in in those terms, in terms of being on the field more? And even if we do, I think maybe this is the more important question. Even if we do, Brandon, what does that mean on a team like the Jets, especially in a week where they are literally three touchdown underdogs? Yeah, well, I, I think that's it. I mean, no one wants to be invested in the Jets. I mean, that's just a that's a fallback option if you really have to. It's a but look at the last last thing. I think if the Jets are being smart and they're being honest and they're saying, you know, at the end of the season when we look back, are we going to say? We sure are happy we gave Frank Gore all those touches. Uh, you know, we're not quite sure what we have in LaMichael P. Ryan at this point, but, you know, we gave Frank Gore his touches. I mean, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I'll keep saying that. Like, there's no reason not to continue to develop LaMichael P. Ryan's role. And he's, you know, he's better suited in the passing game than Frank Gore. And this might be a game where that, you know, <laughs> outweighs everything else. And so I think there's some upside there for P. Ryan this week specifically. But I would expect that the 11 carries, the 39 yards, and some involvement in the passing game, that that incrementally grows week in, week over week going forward. There's not a ton much more to add to that. The fact that P. Ryan's going to be the passing game option, and we expect most weeks the Jets to be passing more than running the ball and not having a lead maybe ever for the rest of the season. So, yeah, some appeal in P. Ryan, flex running back. And like I said, there's not much more to add to it. All right, guys, I want to hit both teams in Los Angeles. Where do we want to go first, Chargers or Rams? Um, someone quick, uh, let's go, let's go Rams. Let's just get it over with. I'm going to, yeah. If, if, if a mea culpa is required for me on cam acres, then I'll just get it out there right now and, and we can move on. I've, I honestly have not cut him yet, but this week was as close as I've come. I'm just, there's just that little 2%. It's now about 2% of my brain now. Is, is, is that where we're even going? What do you mean? 
I mean, it's all part of the same no, discussion. No, 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 I'm asking Mike. I'm at like, was that where we're going? Like, I wasn't expecting that we were going to come after I you wasn't for anything. I wasn't, ex- yeah. I wasn't expecting it either. But I mean, you can tell the guilt that has built up in this <laughs> yeah. guy. Well, over I the don't last think I'm weeks. alone here. I, I mean, actually, Beller, you've been kind of, you know, banging the Daryl Henderson drum a lot. And Jake, I know you like Daryl Henderson too, but I know you liked Cam Akers and you expected more out of Cam Akers at this point. It's just not happening. And I don't know that it will unless something happens to Henderson or Brown to make it happen. But. That's fair. I just no, but the point was I don't think we were coming after you. You just kind of did it on your own. That's what I was. I can't say. help it. I mean, we're going to the Rams, and you know, I'm basically we're no longer going to be talking about Cam Akers. Is this the week? I don't think we're going to be. So going do we in. just cover the Rams, Mike? Do we even need to continue? It's just Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown. Continue. Let's go. <laughs> but do you do you feel decent about Henderson? I mean, do you trust Henderson because he had the the 15 carries and 64 yards against the Bears last week? Malcolm Brown though, 10.57 and a yeah. touchdown. Right, uh, so I mean, how how even if it even if Acres is totally out of the picture, how good can you feel about Henderson? Well, I th- I think you feel fine. Yeah, it's, and did you? Who was the player that I did on mo- Monday? Who did I compare to Matt Forte? He's another Matt Forte. Like that's just what we're dealing with here. He'll get some touchdowns, but he'll do it when he's not you know inside the five yard line. Well, how many of those I carries did? Uh, how much did you guys look at the splits of first half versus second half? Because I feel like Malcolm Brown, when they when the game was kind of in hand, became more of the thing, and Daryl Henderson was mm-hmm. more of the thing early on. And you know, if the game was a little bit more competitive, it feels like maybe Daryl Henderson was a little bit more solidified as the number one guy. All right, let's let's blow this up and move over to the Chargers here. Maybe that's a little bit more interesting of a discussion. Joshua Kelly back on top last week. Neither guy did anything, Kelly or Justin Jackson, but it's a situation that we keep on having to look at as maybe a hot hand situation where, uh, where Anthony Lynn uh, ends up trusting whichever back is just looking better in the moment. You mentioned Brandon, other side of this game, features a Melvin Gordon revenge. But on the Chargers side, if you have either of these backs, uh, Brandon, you take it first. How are you treating that back? I, I normally try to push back from hot hand, but I don't think I can on in this situation. Like Justin Jackson was so clearly the guy the week the game before and then and then it was Josh Kelly, and I don't know if there was rhyme or reason other than that in the moment Anthony Lynn just felt like he was the better guy. So it's kind of there you go. It's blown this thing up to where now I have to rank these guys basically closely together, not very high, and just unless I can glean some kind of okay, this game just clearly favors Justin Jackson or Josh Kelly, but I don't know. I think that's going to be that's going to be hard to do, and I think you just kind of have to just look at both these guys as like the same value, but don't value them too high because the rug is very likely to get pulled out from under you. Well, it's a bad matchup, and then I said, "There you go," because that's the truth is it's the hot hand. But you kind of just alluded to it without saying this. it actually was even in that game. That game was fifty fifty until Justin Jackson was vastly outperforming Joshua Kelly in that first game. And then it was the hot hand, and he got a ton of use. I actually don't think Joshua Kelly got more than like one or two touches in the fourth quarter during that game. So you're right, Brandon. It's a completely hot hand. Uh, last yeah. week's game was a little bit more Kelly, and neither of them were that hot. And I'll expect either of them to be that hot this week. But it looks like they kind of barely prefer Joshua Kelly over Justin Jackson. So I have him slightly ahead of Justin Jackson, but I don't like either one of them against Denver. 
All right, guys, I'm going to fit this one last guy in. It's DeAndre Swift. Uh, we know what he did last week. Nine carries, 27 yards in the touchdown. Five targets, caught four of them for 21 yards. Snap rate increased to a season high, 45%. It's hard to imagine Matt Patricia and Daryl Bevel pushing Adrian Peterson entirely out of this offense. No touches in that game for on Johnson. So he seems like he's been totally pushed out of the offense. But we're, we're looking at that 45% <laughs> snap rate, right? Yeah, for now is a good point. Um, how high? Can it go? I mean, are we just going to be, is nine carries, five targets, pray for a touchdown going to be our standard operating procedure when it comes to Swift, Jake? I think it's going to be because it's Patricia. How high it should go, being a different question, (laughs) is it should be 60% of the work here. Uh, Whether it gets there, I don't think it will without Adrian Peterson getting hurt or what. Like they almost activate, they activated, but almost activated on game day, Bo Scarborough last week. So really, and you know, the Colts are the sixth worth worst matchup for active teams this week uh, for running back. So I am a little tentative on DeAndre Swift because as you said, it feels like he needs to do it on 13, 14 touches and not saying he can't because he is DeAndre Swift. But if he doesn't score a touchdown, and he doesn't break off a big play. You're talking about 13 touches, even averaging five yards a touch. And you do the simple math there and 65 yards. And, you know, so it's like that's my concern with DeAndre Swift. It's not him. You know this. You know how much I love DeAndre Swift. It's 100 percent Matt Patricia. Yeah, I don't have anything to say other than trade him because I agree. It, it, he either has to do it on 13 to 12 to 14 touches or else you're going to get you're going to be very unhappy. And then there's going to be a lot of weeks where that doesn't work out. But I think right now. You can, you know, you can kind of promote a different narrative with him. He's been been good the last couple of weeks, and you know, maybe someone will buy that for for more than he's really actually worth. All right, one more time. Let's get through this in a minute. A regular, you are sitting a fringe off the radar guard guy. You are starting, uh, Jake. Why don't you go first? No, I went first before. So come on, what the heck? Uh, so <laughs> I would say, I mean, can I go back to? Do they consider regular starters as try to avoid the Chargers guys? I would mm-hmm. try to. Uh, you know what? I'll give you another one. This is one I would consider, and you have to be flush at running backs. I would consider benching Ronald Jones just because Leonard Fournette is clearly their passing game option clearly better in the passing game. I don't expect them to need to pass a lot to the running backs in general against the friggin' Giants. But, you know, Leonard Fournette is Ronald Jones, but better in the passing game. What if all of a sudden this week, Bruce Arians is just like, you know what? 70% Leonard Fournette. Screw Ronald Jones. So I just feel like you, Brandon always uses the, the rug getting pulled out from underneath you. I think that's one. And then to go back to the opposite direction, if Philip Lindsay's active, like, I understand he could potentially have a concussion. This might not matter come Friday. But if he plays, I don't know how people still want to push against pay, play, pay, playing Philip Lindsay, who was on pace for 100 yards and outplaying Melvin Gordon in that game. Yeah, I had Ronald Jones in the back of my mind on this one as well. But I think that, you know, that's a, it's a bit risky. What about James White? Where are we at with James White? He's always the guy that, oh, you can always kind of count on him. Um, but, you know, last done, week maybe? he would Last week, you would have thought that that was a James White game. They lose 33-6, to six, um, you know, and they're in a situation where they have to throw the ball, and he had one catch for three yards. He's had one game in half PPR where he's uh, out of the four he's played in which he's got over 10. He used to always kind of get, you know, double low double digits because of his work in the passing game. And, and Buffalo, they've been very good at shutting down running backs in the passing game so far, so... I think, you know, he's a guy that he's not the super slam dunk obvious, but he's a guy that generally finds his way into a flex spot that maybe shouldn't this week. 
I actually said that James White is potentially droppable yeah. in certain leagues. Mm-hmm. It's just that offense is looking like a total mess, as we've uh, talked about more than once on both this show, our Monday show, really our entire suite of podcasts. There's been plenty of uh, air used on talking about this Patriots offense and how it just doesn't feel like one you can trust really in any way at the moment. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Flip it over to wide receivers. Now, guys, Brandon Ayuk, the first player who I want to talk about, Debo Samuel. Uh, We wish this guy could stay healthy. It's just not happening for him this season. Out again with a hamstring injury. Brandon Ayuk went for six catches on seven targets for 115 last week. Uh, Brandon, you are the Brandon Ayuk guy, so I'm going to go to you first here. I guess you're the Debo Samuel guy, but you know, same thing uh, in this context. Uh, Is he locked in? Is Ayuk locked in as a starter so long as Samuel is out? Uh, I think so. I mean, I, especially in this matchup, I think we're you know we're talking about this week in particular in Seattle, and it's, there's no Debo Samuel, and Ayuk's coming off the big game, and and he is the number one guy, and there's a lot of bad wide receiver matchups. So yeah, I have him, I have him inside my wide receiver two range. Um, I, I don't think Kendrick Bourne's a bad play either. Uh, I have Jimmy Garoppolo ranked fifteenth, so. Ayuk's kind of a, a Debo Samuel doppelganger, does a lot of the same things. He's a little bit bigger, a little bit, uh, you know, a, a little bit more uh, physical, maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Debo's a, Debo's a beast, but I, they can do a lot of the same things. And you got to you gotta kind of account for two, three jet sweeps and also a great matchup. So I think he's kind of a, I don't know, given all the rough matchups for some of these receivers this week, how you could, how you could kind of have you have to be really an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver to not have him in your lineup this week. Mm, that's I really got nothing else to add. Brandon Ayuk until Debo Samuel comes back is a must start. Just put him in your lineups. Period. All right, beautiful. Two other guys who are must starts: Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Why are we talking about them on a show where we mostly focus on rankings? Well, it's because we also talk about trades here. And Jake, you have both of them listed as sells this week. Obviously, that's all in the context of trade discussions. You're not just out there trying to give away Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley, but. Why are they guys who you would look at selling, and what would you need to be getting in return for them to really consider a trade for one of these two receivers? Uh, If I get wide receiver one value for Calvin Ridley, because I feel like he's still, despite his amazing start this year, and Julio is back, I think he's going to be the more consistent of the two. And Julio Jones, I mean, I would probably need top 10 wide receiver, if not a little bit more, but... It really comes down to schedule. Now is about the time people are trying to make trades. They're trying to get through their buys. They have injuries. 
for these smart owners who start looking and have this kind of flexibility, go trade for Chubb, go trade for Sanders, that type of stuff, but also start looking at schedules and things could still change. You know, I always say that I'm one of the people who does APA and still pushes against reading too much into schedules. However, if you're talking about weeks 14, 15, and 16, no receiver core has a worse schedule for weeks 14, 15, and 16 than the Falcons do at Chargers, Buccaneers, at Chiefs. That could just be a frustrating week where one of the two produces. You don't know which one of the two is going to produce. And honestly, you might get a wide receiver two and wide receiver three value out of both of them for those games. And that's obviously not what you have in Julio Jones and Ridley. Yeah, I think it's as long as Julio Jones is out there, I'm going to want Calvin Ridley. It's just crazy how Calvin Ridley is just always so so wide open in, in, in the red zone. You know, Julio Jones draws the attention. And it's like Matt Ryan just knows Calvin Ridley's got one on one. And he'll figure out a way to get separation, and it happens. And it's just – I think what – I would trade Julio Jones coming off of two good games right now. Now we see he's been dealing with a hip injury. He's old. You wonder if the hamstring and, and all these things can be related. If this is something we're going to see Julio Jones questionable every week and then missing more games down the, the stretch. And if you can trade for someone who hasn't had their buy or has already had their buy, then you get an extra game, and then you get to avoid that brutal schedule in the playoffs – and you can get close to wide receiver one value. I I think you I think that's the guy. Is Julio Jones is the guy I'd be targeting for a trade. All right, guys. Next up on our list here is AJ Green. Last two games, fifteen catches on twenty four targets, one hundred seventy eight yards. Jake, back in our good graces as a wide receiver three. Keep those expectations in check, but then feel decent about him. So gonna one more time go back to Brandon saying get the rug pulled out. I feel like that's happening at <laughs> any time. But if we do, it would be that the Bengals switched course and stopped using in the new way. We've talked about this as you mentioned, some airtime on this one as well. I think the waiver show last week's show, they're using him differently and it's working. They're getting the late career. You're the one that said the Fitzgerald is the comparison. Late career Fitzgerald value out of him because they're using him over the middle. They're using him shorter. They're using an intermediate. They're not using him downfield 20, 25 yards going for jump balls in the end zone. That's now T. Higgins. And T. Higgins is excelling at that. Tyler Boyd, the slot option as usual, but A.J. Green's mixing in there a little bit at times. So this new A.J. Green in this offense with Burrow throwing 40 times, yeah, he's back into the wide receiver three. He graduated. He went from two hearts to five hearts in the unbreak my heart to now being, if he's still out there on waivers, go pick him back up and start him. Like Not just put him on your roster. Go ahead and start him again. Yeah, I mean, it'd, be ni- it'd be nice if he finds the end zone. Uh, he hasn't scored yet, but he's 10th among wide receivers and targets. That's just all you need to know. He's getting he's getting tons of looks in this offense, and Tyler Boyd is 9th, and, and T. Higgins is 27th, but he, he wasn't really even used in, in week one. So all these guys have enough volume to be very good, and uh, A.J. Green at this point is, even though he's n- – kind of a shadow of what he once was from a physical standpoint is still can be is still good enough to, you know, help you out because of that volume. And as Jake has been talking about the last couple of weeks, it, the way they've kind of changed his role and, and using him in a way that he can still actually help you out. I would love to be inside the mind of a CD Lamb manager. And actually, I am inside the mind of a CD Lamb manager because I am one in uh, my most important league. And, you know, it goes something along the lines like this. Three weeks ago, Oh my God, you guys, I can't believe I stole a top 20 wide receiver in the draft. The rest of you are idiots. After that, Dak Prescott gets hurt. All right, this kind of sucks, but you know, Andy Dalton, he's competent enough. CD's not going to totally fall off a map. Now we're sitting in a position where, holy crap, Andy Dalton sucks. 
And now Ben DiNucci is maybe the starter. Can I even start CeeDee Lamb anymore? No catches on five targets last week. He showed up on the stat sheet because of those five targets and because of one carry for one yard. Uh, Brandon, we'll go to you first here. How are we feeling about CeeDee Lamb this week against the Philadelphia Eagles? Um, Well, about like you might feel about the New England offense or the Bears offense this past week. I think this could be an absolute crap show, and it could just be the, the Philadelphia Eagles completely stifling this offense with potentially Ben DiNucci as the quarterback, or even if it's Andy Dalton. I just think the way this Dallas offensive line is, it's it's got to have you scared to death of every one of these receivers, even Amari Cooper. Um, I, I really think you you might have to consider – if you're pretty strong at wide receiver, maybe not playing Amari Cooper this week. And, you know, in the hierarchy of things, it goes Cooper and it goes Lamb and it goes Gallup. And if I'm having scary thoughts about Cooper, then I'm definitely, you know, more worried about CD Lamb. So I think this might be a bench until further notice kind of deal with these guys, at least especially for this week with Philadelphia, because they can get after the quarterback. Those guys up front are uh, physical and they get there in a hurry. So I think that could be trouble for this Dallas passing game. Yeah, I think there's concerns all around, but I'll still roll out Cooper. I just comparison made on Mondays, put him back to the old version of Cooper from two years ago before Dak Prescott, before he even really succeeded with the Cowboys that first year, you know, the old Cooper where, you know, some weeks you're going to get hundred yards and a touchdown. Some weeks you're going to get what we've seen. And of course we assume this week would be the letdown that we've seen, but it's still Amari Cooper and I can't bench him because Similar to my argument of why I don't draft him is because this is a perfect example, Brandon. It's like, if I own him, I'm going to put him out there every single week. Quarterback be damned, matchup be damned, whatever it is be damned, because I can't play the matchups because he'll do it when he's not supposed to, and then when he's supposed to, he won't do it when he's in a situation like this. So I'm just going to start him. I don't love it, but he's a wide receiver three now. Cooper, you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, but the we, other two. That's why I said the other two. I just I'm just benching. That was yeah. That was okay. Straight off yeah. the gate. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, where are we at on Scotty Miller this week? Uh, someone who could step right back into fantasy starting lineups. Chris Godwin, man. It's just like these injuries are coming out of nowhere. Another guy who we're feeling really good about after last week finally gave us that exact Chris Godwin game. Nine catches, 88 yards, touchdown. And then Tuesday morning, suddenly we learn he fractured a finger on that touchdown catch, had surgery on it, uh, is going to miss this game this week, Monday Night Football against the Giants. Congratulations, uh, America. We're getting three NFC East teams in primetime <laughs> this week, so that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, but uh, all right, uh, uh, Godwin, hopefully the silver lining here is that he's only expected right now to miss this one game. So look for silver linings where you can take him and that's where you take it. Maybe you can also take it in starting Scotty Miller in his place. If you were able to get Scotty Miller on your roster, six grabs, 109 yards and a touchdown a week ago. Uh, Brandon, we'll go to you here first. Is he an easy play with Godwin out? Is he just a sort of don't even think about it starter with Godwin being off the field and Antonio Brown not uh, yet ready to, or not yet able to play serving the last game of his suspension? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's had enough other good games when other guys have been out. I think, uh, you know, Tom Brady's kind of developed a nice rapport with him. So I think I think he is uh, a pretty comfortable play this week. And another guy, I actually will, I think, uh, you know, Tyler Johnson's a guy that if you're, I'll just do the spoiler for the off the radar fringe wide receiver. But Tyler, yeah, go for Tyler it. Johnson, we've seen with the last time Chris Godwin was out, he had a season high 56 snaps. And we're starting to see him bubble up in the red zone. I think he has the potential uh, to have another big snap load this week and be someone that you can plug and play 
and feel pretty good about. So I like both of these guys. I like I like Scotty Miller and I also like Tyler Johnson. Yeah, I think that Scotty Miller comes back. People are like, ah, I don't want to buy back into him. I can't trust him again after the letdown game that we saw. He wasn't a hundred percent. You know, that's what happened. We kind of got decoyed into that game. Not quite the McKinnon situation, but he ended up being a decoy in that. Miller's got what two bad games. One of them being that game on the season. I think he has to be useful, and I think that Watson as a deeper play. I think that's a good call as well. Not Watson Johnson. That zero catch game that was that zero catch game that was without Godwin came against the Bears, who have had you know one of the best pass defenses in the league so far this season. Really, the only thing that you can hang your hat on uh, about this entire Bears team, Allen Robinson and that pass defense, and pretty much everything else. You just want to ignore for the time being. Something we've wanted to ignore, perhaps, is uh, Marquise Brown's play to this point of the season. 26 catches, 376 yards, one touchdown. He's wide receiver 43. Assuming you drafted him as a wide receiver two or wide receiver three, which you know you almost certainly did, uh, what's your default position on him from week to week, Jake? Is he guy who starts out the week sitting in your lineup and then you think about is he a guy who starts out the week sitting in your bench and then you think about where does he like does he live in your starting roster and then you're clicking him out or does he live on the bench and you're clicking him in <laughs> he lives in my starting lineup and i've rarely clicked him out just because if you drafted him you probably paid sixth seventh round a decent price in auction and i'm not assuming you have much depth to sit him because also do you want to miss when he finally connects and he's had a couple decent usable games he obviously hasn't been the breakout he obviously hasn't been the huge play marquise brown that we really wanted to see part of that's lamar jackson in the offense this week i, I like him i have him inside the top 35 mostly because if you look at the potential here actually i have him top 30 at 30 is the steelers give up the most air yards per reception and it's not even close it's 8.2 the next closest i think is 7.4 or 5 off the top of my head and then everybody else is only about 0.1.2 a gap apart so that's actually a pretty big deal and they're top three in air yards per target period they just give up big plays they are a scary defense but they are the most acceptable team to the big play and if it could happen this week we hope that the offense clicks and they hope this turns into a semi shootout type of game i i can't bench marquise brown in this opportunity yeah, I don't have him anywhere for the reasons that we've seen. I, I he's super talented, no doubt about it. But I just think that this, with this Lamar Jackson, his deep ball is is been suspect in terms of accuracy. Marquise Brown's an easy guy to scheme for because they're getting nothing out of the other receivers. So you can just you know you can play over the top with him and and you know just make sure you're covered on the deep ball anyways. And and yeah, so I but the the thing to Jake's point is. That there are going to be, still be some some big plays and some and some big games along the way, and and honestly, his he had one like really terrible game, but his two other worst games are like four catches, fifty seven yards last week, and a five forty two, and a half PPR, full PPR. That's not going to absolutely sink your battleship. It's not the worst thing in the world. So you know the matchup is, as Jake said, isn't so terrible this week. So you probably, if you have him, you have to play him. All right, we already heard a little of this from Brandon, but let's hit this wide receiver lightning round again. One minute and counting, 60, 59, 58. <laughs> go, Jake, take it away. No, Brandon's first this time. What? I thought uh, I was go, first Brandon, last time. Um, didn't I say Amari <laughs> Cooper? I think Amari Cooper's no. going to have a bad game, but yeah, I get it if you if you still want to play him. I just think... You said Tyler Johnson already. Yeah, and Tyler... Well, I said Amari Cooper earlier as a guy that I you know would consider benching, and and Tyler Johnson's my fringe guy that I think, you know, he's, we've seen him score a couple touchdowns. I think he'd do it again. I think he's going to get, a you know, some appreciable yardage this week as well. 
Okay. Then I'll the double hit here. I think Tim Patrick in this matchup, despite being the best receiver so far, well, yeah, actually so far and recently, I think he's benchable in this matchup. Uh, it's, you know, depending on your depth and the obvious one to go back to Derek Carr, I, like I'm ready to be snake bitten on this one, but at the same time, I'm also ready to, I don't know how you put Nelson Aguilar on your bench. He has been the best wide receiver, even with Henry Ruggs out there. I still like Henry Ruggs more, but if you're going to put them side by side with the way that Aguilar is playing and he's getting the volume versus Ruggs having to do it, the base Ruggs and Marquise Brown aren't too dissimilar. Uh, Aguilar, you have to play Aguilar right now. Yeah, I mean, with what we've seen from him, touchdowns in three straight, touchdowns in four games total this season, clearly the uh, number one receiver in terms of production for the Raiders. And with Derek Carr elevating his play, it does feel like Nelson Aguilar is someone who you can feel pretty good about in your lineups. And that is something I don't think anyone other than our Vegas Raiders beat writer, one of our two, Vic Tafer, was saying going back to draft season. Uh, let's get through tight ends really quickly here. There's really just one question I want to ask you guys at this position before we wrap things up. Uh, let's look at the second tier of tight ends. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, Johnny Smith, TJ Hawkinson, guys who obviously aren't, you know, just locked. You love them, no doubt about it, but guys who you, if you have them, you are definitely starting them. What would you have to be getting back in a trade to give up one of them if you assume that by trading them, you are in the pray for a touchdown tight end class for the rest of the season? Jake, why don't you take this one first? Uh, I would still take, if I got RB2, I would do it in a heartbeat. And the RBs are so hard to find right now. And if I need wide receiver help and I get a wide receiver three, I would still do the same thing because let's be honest about Gronk until recently, wasn't much of a thing. Jono just got a zero. Hawkinson's got a bad matchup and has been inconsistent and he's placing the Colts. They're not that much better than pray for a tight end class the rest of the way. I think that was exactly the point I was going to make is, man, if you can get anything that you could start on a regular basis for these guys, you would absolutely do it because they've been, even the guys that you mentioned there have been so inconsistent and it wouldn't be, you know, I would feel like I could go out and find a Richard Rogers, somebody of the moment, you know, a Harrison Bryant to Richard Rogers, those guys that kind of bubble up and have opportunities for a few weeks and just play that almost like in a streaming, streaming position, a, a Daniel Fells when Jordan Aikens is out and, and you know, Darren, I mean, Fels. Darren Phil, sorry. I, I keep making that mistake. I'll never get that one right. It's an understandable mistake. Yeah. So, uh, um, uh, you mentioned, you mentioned Bryant, you mentioned Rogers. Are those guys who fit into this uh, discussion this week? The uh, fringe off the radar guy who you would start? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Harrison Bryant looked. He looked legit. I mean, he looked like a, a guy that's going to have a bright future. Taking my guy. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk double down. I wonder him, if Jake. he's Wally Pippen. You know, there's a chance. I mean, I don't know. I mean, how much worse are they going to be off with Harrison Bryant over Austin Hooper? Is there a chance that uh, Bryant comes in and Wally pips him? Yeah, that's uh, Harrison Bryant was mostly the call last week because of the opportunity with no Austin Hooper. I, I think he'll lose some value when Hooper comes back in a week or two, whenever that might be. But for right now, he got the start over in Joku. That was the big appeal there. So, you know, Richard Rogers is the one that Brandon mentioned as well until Dallas Goddard comes back. He's another one. These kind of options that you're filling in for Right, and a t tight end. It's the same thing. If you want to chase somebody on the waiver wire at tight end, go right ahead. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. tight end, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I will be starting Harrison Bryant in a couple of places Jimmy Graham, this week. He, your boy. Yeah, Her yeah Jimmy got, Graham. I mean, the Saints I mean, can't defend the tight end position. And Matt Nagy, you know, takes him off the field when the team gets uh, its first actual scoring chance of the game, and then Nick Foles throws an interception on that play. But other than that, Jimmy Graham definitely looking like someone who could fit into this group of guys as well. Harrison Bryant, really like him this week. More routes, more snaps, as you said. Jake got the start over in Joku as well, and now 
more targets to go around potentially with Odell Beckham out for the rest of the season. That is where we have to leave it. We leave it on a Harrison Bryant note for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, thanks so much for listening. This show returns on Thursday. That'll be Nando DeFino, our buddy Jake right here, and Eric Moody. The three of us back with you on Monday to talk Week 8 news and Week 9 waivers. Until then, thanks again for listening, and have a great day.